1: What in the hell do you think you're doing hey john
0: boy i'm telling you straight it's my way or the highway so anybody wants to walk do it now
2: hey everybody we're all gonna
0: get
3: laid and again it's picked up. it's darius leonard a pick six for the maniac touchdown I-N-D-Y. yes sir
0: G- uh, oh, the double time John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey,
4: in on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Next three hours, we got things loaded up and ready to go for you. Trying to consider a moment ago exactly what type of weekend sports-wise you may have had. Uh, Considering some of the wins, IU obviously getting back on track on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Purdue Friday night, Purdue yesterday afternoon as well. A story for you in a second. Pacers meantime, not so much yesterday's matinee was over the top of this particular show and it looked good until they got to the fourth actually it looked good the second half is where they just couldn't get any stops and it was a three-point shooting contest and drew holiday was going to end up winning that with 30 plus points he just knocked down big shot after big shot after big shot and it is apparent that what we already knew this team playing without Tyrese Halliburton is a big time problem. Uh, it just is. Had Miles back thirty and eight yesterday. Another miles rumor floating around out there. Oh yeah, by the way, too, super wildcard weekend was a pretty good time. When you consider it. Uh, consider Buffalo and then yeah, how about Jacksonville? Now, we had talked about this. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't want to say you limp into the postseason. you could have back into the postseason. You play just well enough because within that crappy division, the AFC South, uh, that the Colts were basically left and gone at the end of the season with zero consideration, you back in to that title. Back in is probably the wrong thing to say. Kind of back in. But then you get into the postseason, and then you get into the second half, and it looks like you're said and done. You got everybody talking junk on Twitter, making fun of the AFC South, which you should during the regular season. All that took place, and then you had that incredible come-from-behind victory that to this point, I believe – Has seen the ousting of the offensive coordinator of the Chargers. The passing game coordinator slash quarterback's coach, I think, also is Jettison. And no word on Brandon Staley yet. Normally, when something like that happens, normally it is going to be the head coach. Uh, In this case, it has yet to be the head coach. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's situation with Baltimore. Yeah, two things that stand out, and I guess who knows, but I think it's relatively easy to suggest that if either Lamar Jackson or Tua were playing for both the Dolphins uh, and the Ravens, in this case, things could have been different. Our good man Eddie Garrison was over there uh, for that Bengals and Ravens game on Sunday evening. It could have been different. There's no doubt about that. And we're still trying to track down exactly what the Colts are doing here. And unfortunately for me, because I as I have always been a big fan of Jim Harbaugh. I was a big fan of Jim Harbaugh, the quarterback, even when he was in Chicago before he came here uh, for that 95 season and that Comet March, if you will, to the AFC title game. Now, even when he was in Chicago, I was pretty much down with it at the time. Big Bears fan back then. But... Jim Harbaugh, I'm a fan of. I was a fan of as a player. Um, I'm a fan of as a coach. Now, the president of Michigan with a release, I think it was yesterday, the day before yesterday. I can't remember. Since I wasn't on Monday, I can't remember where I am. I got to get my bearings. But anyway, the past 48 hours released a statement that, that basically Jim Harbaugh was coming back. Now, Jim Harbaugh is playing it like Jim Harbaugh plays it. He's still absolutely evaluating everything. It's like he was as a quarterback. He is looking over the line of scrimmage to see what's going on and how what is going on can best benefit him. I guess I don't blame you. Wouldn't we all do that? Or do I not blame him because he's a guy that I want to see and I believe as the next head coach. I can't lie to you about this. And my philosophy is going to have to change, but sitting here right now and looking at the March of interview, interview candidates. And some of these guys may end up being fantastic. Who knows? I talk about the greatness of Kyle Shanahan all the time. Maybe Ben Johnson turns into be uh, Kyle Shanahan one of these days. And I'm just kind of sitting here going, well, you know what? I screwed that up. Didn't I? Maybe so. Maybe not. But at the same time, Full disclosure, I just, I don't get much out of the group here. Anybody else out there with me? Or is it because it's the combination still? Is it the combination of just an awful season? The combination of starting with a new head coach. The combination also with the the guy that I wanted reportedly going to be out of the mix. Again, you always have to wait and see, right? I mean, until until Jim Harbaugh just says, "All right, this is it and I'm not moving. This is where I'm going to be." I'm not suggesting I'm holding out hope, but I guess you could if you wanted to. But maybe it's that combination. You know, my thoughts on you know, Chris Ballard you know, being a part of this as it has been described To me, I can call them flavors of the month right now, and they still can be really good coaches, and they may end up being fantastic coaches. D'Amico Ryans may end up being great. Mike Kafka may end up being great. I'm sure they will. I mean, they have to, right? Don't some of these guys, these offensive coordinators especially, have to transform into the next era of great coaches, at least maybe a couple of them, if not a handful, but a couple. But I sit here right now and I just, I can't get with it. Maybe that's my fault. I know the credentials, I know the background. I knew Aaron Glenn as a player. I guess we all should be thrilled with the job that both he and Ben Johnson did as coordinators in Detroit. I guess. <laughs> okay. It just seems like for this, you need something a little bit more hardcore, don't you? And if not hardcore, don't you need a little bit more something that has feet set and has actually done something? Or am I wrong about that? I Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just don't get it right now. Maybe these are just incredible candidates and I'm looking over a number of them. We'll talk to Greg Rakestraw about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. I'm sure he will bring some level headed thinking to that. I find nothing wrong with Eric Biennamy. Nothing. I'm not scared away by virtue of all the the interviews that he's done and never getting a shot. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Chris Ballard just pulls that rabbit out of his hat and boom, there it is, and you're off and running. Yeah, does the right thing as far as getting a quarterback is concerned? Seemed like the Colts dodged and really... A lot of the NFL teams that would like to have a quarterback and have the thoughts right now of moving up, trying to do a deal with Chicago, are probably fairly glad that that C.J. Stroud decided to go ahead and make himself available for the spring NFL draft. That was going to be interesting. Because let's face it, you're already, if you're going to want one of these two, and listen, the whole dynamic may end up changing. By the time we get... Past the combine and through the the workouts, it may be a completely different viewpoint than what we have right now. But for the sake of the argument, it does seem like a Bryce Young and a C.J. Stroud, top of the draft, elite-level quarterbacks, and everybody else is everybody else. And again, that's nothing against everybody else. That's exactly how I view all these coaching options, right? It's like everybody else. Like me, right? It's like I'm a dime a dozen. Go out and get me. That's kind of how I feel about that right now, other than the two at the top of the list. And can you imagine if Stroud was not a part of it, and then you have to basically push everybody up without him? That was was going to be either or. That was going to be something for college football. And really, I don't know if you buy that he was going to hang around because of NIL money because it's still going to pale in comparison to what he's going to get. But combination of NIL money and then looking at what you have returning at Ohio State as far as receivers are concerned, just having Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be good enough there. That already makes you better than most of these teams that are going to try to select you or would like your services as a quarterback. But that Stroud thing... We started that basically on Friday as kind of a rumor and rode that out throughout the weekend, and then finally the decision was made. And I guess, to a degree, all was right with the world. Especially for those that need a quarterback and have intentions on climbing the ladder, or at least giving that to try. Because Chicago is going to hold that hostage. You know that Houston... Houston hosed itself by winning here, or else it would have all those options. But, alas, it did not, so it's going to have to, I don't know, is it fair to say settle? I guess if if you're able to draft who you want, and that holds true for the Colts, too, maybe they want somebody that's not one of those two quarterbacks. Thus, they don't have to move. But as it stands right now, if you would want, One of those two really good quarterbacks, those elite level NFL quarterbacks, regardless of the arguments you come up with regarding Ohio State putting forth any talented quarterbacks in the NFL over the years, or what you think about the height of Bryce Young, those are the two dudes right now. But if you like somebody else, if you like Will Levis, you can stay at four, maybe. You like Richardson, maybe you can stay wherever. Maybe you can trade down. I don't know. But it seems like that if you want one of those first two right now, and again, convenient for this argument, if if Young and Stroud are those two, you're going to have to do some maneuvering. And we'll see where that trade value that Chicago will hold near and dear ends up being. So a lot of you brought up Sean Payton. Why no Sean Payton? Why no interest? I, the Colts can't afford to have interest. Can you? I can't imagine sitting here right now, well, I can, but I can't imagine sitting here right now that Chris Ballard in control of this team would advise to trade a first round selection wherever it might be for a future head coach. Middle round, late first round, anybody else with me? And I cannot imagine that. You're going to have to pry picks in a possible deal if they do want a quarterback up there. You're going to have to pry those out of his hands in the first place. I know some things maybe will change. Maybe a difference in philosophy, considering the reprieve that clearly he has had, which is still not the right call, but whatever. That's the call. But you're going to have to pry those out of his hands anyway. Yeah, not for a head coach. Not going to New Orleans for the head coaching duties. Yeah, that just seemed like that that was, that's why we really never talked about it. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I brought up Harbaugh ad nauseum and it doesn't make a great deal. I help it make sense and I hope I've convinced a lot of you, but as far as the reality of it, it doesn't seem like it's made any sense because there hasn't been anything there. Yeah, why hasn't there been anything there? Why wasn't there anything there? What do you guys think? Let's just say, for example, that Harbaugh is dead set on going back to Ann Arbor. He's not leaving whatsoever. He might get himself a little tidy raise. But he, let's just say, for example, as of right now, he is concrete in his decision in going back. So. Uh, yeah, What is not to like about a place where he has been, a place where he has thrived, and a place that is absolutely necessary for him, and then better yet, how can the Colts not recognize that? You guys think that one of these coordinators are going to flip this thing around sooner rather than later? Got a lot of belief? And this, again, you guys can answer this for me. This may be all on me. This may be a me problem. Not a they problem. Maybe it's just a me problem because I'm just a non believer, but I am not at all overwhelmed. This seems like we went through a season, coming off an end of a season where there is something that you absolutely need that is out there, and that's not it. That's fair. And nothing against Raheem Morris or Ben Johnson or Eric bien Zero against any of them. Like, one of these days, a couple of these dudes are going to turn into something really special, I'm sure. And then I'll have to double back and go, well, look at this nut here. He has no idea what he's talking about. I will have to own that one of these days. But sitting here right now and watching the end of last season and sitting through this past season... Can you talk yourself into any of these guys right now? Or is that completely unfair of me to even make that particular assessment? Because I, I all day long, I've sat on, I got in here early. Oh, we forget bags and I got to go here and take this to school and that to school. We forget everything. So I just thought, you know what? What the hell? I'm just going to go ahead and go in and hang out. So Eddie can attest to this. I came in here and I hung out for a while. Down on five. Don't get bugged, which is pretty cool. That's your own production studio down there. It's really nice. So I came in early and, and I look at all these impressive young coaches and their credentials and I'm not dismissing any of it. But I try to equate it to what I believe that the Colts need right now. And it's just, it's not like a Lego. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys a little bit later on. When we do calls and we talk a little bit more and listen, we have days and I'm assuming weeks until that decision is going to be made. Chris Ballard said last week that they're going to be comfortable in taking their time. Being patient, and if it happens in early February, then it happens in early February. Why would Jim Harbaugh not have any interest here, if that's the case? Why would the Colts not have any interest in him? Which argument's better? Wondering why that is? For a proven commodity coach or not not being overwhelmed about everybody that's been and by the way, too, and Jeff Saturday at some point is also going to get his interview time. And I'm assuming that, you know, when there's time, Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator. I will say this, I do like Leslie Frazier. I just don't think it's going to be a defensive oriented person. I could be wrong because I do like, on this list, I probably like the defensive coaches more than I like the offensive coaches, if that makes sense. I know it kind of seems like I've been hard targeting San Francisco for a while. D'Amico Ryan's, what is he, 36, 37, somewhere in that neighborhood? Uh, he's That is a nice defense to enjoy. And he has certainly coached them up. There is a lot of talent there, but they've also had some injuries. But there is a lot of talent there. I probably like those two guys and that possibility of Frazier because at least Frazier, you know, he's been down the path and been there and done that, but it still doesn't thoroughly entice me. Yeah, it's just kind of like that Terminator mentality. I guess I have to get off of it. I just had that one thing in mind. All I cared about was Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor. And that's all I have on my mind right now. I, in the form of Jim Harbaugh. So that that, to me, seemed like a perfect fit. And it didn't seem like it needed a great deal of breakdown. It seemed like that that was an easy conclusion to draw. Yeah, you, know, you have a lot of money, go out and spend it. He's been here before. He's had all this success. Uh, your team is an absolute disaster, both inside and outside here. Let's build it back up again. Perfect. Yeah, I know. I kind of sound like I'm on the couch a little bit here, but I'm not. We'll talk about that as we move forward, too. I mentioned IU's win on Saturday. Man, did they need that. I don't know if any of you did anything this weekend, and I'm not giggling on this, but I don't know if any of you did anything this weekend that was more necessary for you to do than it was for IU to have a game like that. And I talked and whined about something that I normally don't talk and whine about last week. I talked and whined about defense. What? Defense. And I will say this on Saturday There was some enthusiasm. There was some inspiration. So, Mike Woodson, whatever you did going into Saturday, and I will tip the cap because always at Assembly Hall, you're going to get extra juice for that. It's difficult not to get extra juice being inside that building, especially when the crowd knew that that team needed it. But, man, it was more than that. Whatever you did, Mike Woodson, leading up to that Wisconsin guy I know Wisconsin was without Tyler Wall and all this. I'm just talking about what you saw on the floor. They came out with an inspiration to d it up, unlike we have seen in a couple of weeks, actually more than a couple of weeks. That's exactly what was needed, and that win was big. Man, you watched Purdue yesterday. You watch Purdue, and that shootout down the stretch between Lawyer and Walker was outstanding. I mean, that was some good stuff right there, good theater. But ultimately, Zach Eady, 30-plus and 17 rebounds, and just a flawless draw-up. And then even more than that, flawless execution of that draw-up to get Zach Eady that shot in 10 seconds or less, actually around eight seconds is how long it took to go the length of the court and to make that game winner. And, and Matt was right after the game. He said, even though you know they called like a myriad of timeouts to see what everybody was doing, and then Walker still got a decent look. And from the angle that we had television-wise, you thought, oh, my goodness, I know a lot of you Boilermaker fans thought that. But, man, what that did, that showed you yesterday just exactly how great execution after a great draw-up, exactly how the end result can be. I'm going to ask Matt Payne of that a little bit later on in the show, 5 o'clock hour, Matt's going to join us, you know, about that execution, you know, about that play that he drew up, and then how close to perfect. Now, granted, when you score and then ultimately win because of that score, then you're going to probably feel it's perfect. But I'm just thinking about how well executed that was. Inbound to Smith, Smith to Lawyer. Lawyer, a lengthy pass down low. No double team sent. Couple of pin downs on the opposite side. Boom. There's Edie at the rim with the game winner. That's really impressive. Matt is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to talk about that. Jake Query in the 4 o'clock hour. Kevin and Query, weekday mornings right here beginning at 7 a.m. Jake's going to join us. I mentioned Greg Rakestraw coming up at the bottom of the hour. I'm really excited about this. The sixth-ranked women of Indiana. They are fun as hell to watch. Fun as hell to watch. And their leader is senior Grace Berger. And I reference her all the time as a badass, and she is. Remember, got injured back in November when they are playing on that ballroom court in Las Vegas. Came back from that and is the, the inspiration and truly the team leader with this group. They are, again, enjoyable as hell to watch. And I cannot wait to have Grace Berger on this show coming up at 4.30. Yeah, a quick tip of the hat. And a shout-out to the IU Women's Basketball Program. And Grace Berger is going to join us coming up at 4.30. Greg Rakestraw, Jake Query, Grace Berger, Matt Painter, all coming up on the show. For those that you are asking, if you were watching ESPNU last night and you saw Florida Atlantic, you saw Western Kentucky down in Bowling Green in a Conference USA matchup, and you got a couple of references to Green County, exactly, my good friend Dusty May is the head coach of the top 25 for the first time in basketball program history, Florida Atlantic Owls. Dusty May was a Bob Knight manager back in the day. Uh, was on the bench with Mike Davis. I think he's been on the bench. I'm trying to think he's been to Murray State on the bench. Uh, he has been to Eastern Michigan on the bench. I think he ended up with Mike White, at Louisiana Tech on that bench, and then they went to Florida. Dusty got the job down in Boca Raton at Florida Atlantic, and Mike White bounced from Florida to Georgia. The man, has he proven it. That team is fun to watch. If anybody watched that, I know some of you, because you were hitting me up last night saying, hey, uh, what's this Green County guy right here? What's going on? That is uh, Dusty May, everybody. Dusty May. The head coach of Florida Atlantic. We'll get him on coming up later on this week, too, because that is a fantastic story. All right, Query. Grace Berger, Matt Painter, Greg Rakestraw, all still to come. 239-1070 is the number. The email address is jmv via 107.5thefan.com. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. We'll go ahead and get up and running with you. I'll log in and get with you guys coming up in a minute. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan the ride with jmv
2: hey my buddy swanson boosting steam ahead? over there i want to go over there i'll move over swanson i'm
4: driving
0: 93.5 and 107.5 the fan
4: jay query grace berger matt painter all coming up on the show today thank you for joining us lounge youtube live how we doing yeah the pacers are in a bad spot right now everybody Like I'm not surprised, and I've said this in the outset, I don't get disappointed when they lose because it's still going to be a part of it, even as enjoyable, as fun as it has been. You know that it is still not where anywhere near it needs to be. So you know that they're going to trip, they're going to stumble, they're going to fall. But the Halliburton injury, hopefully sooner rather than later he can get back, has blown a huge hole into a lot of the winning stuff. Uh, Pacers tomorrow night at the Thunder, and before you go, oh, wait a minute, who plays for the Thunder? And you might be right. Uh, Gilligas Alexander top of that list. What's the average, like 30 points a game or something? It's ridiculous. They score in boatloads. Boatloads. Uh, that's tomorrow night. That tip time is at eight o'clock. So, no pacer action coming up later on tonight. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He is our friend of the show. He is Greg Rakestraw, who joins us right now. Um, help me talk myself out of this. I am very underwhelmed with the interview potential coaching candidates for the Colts so far. Should I be, or is it because I've had this thought, this one-track Terminator mindset of Jim Harbaugh or bust, and that's why I'm underwhelmed. What do you think?
5: I'm pretty much sure you just answered your own question right there because you were all aboard the Jim Harbaugh train. So so of the candidates, since they've basically interviewed, I think seven people and requested three more at this point, Who is out there that they haven't interviewed or requested an interview with that you're disappointed about?
4: Oh, disappointed is the wrong thing. Underwhelmed. I'll be honest with you, the the two that I like, one's D'Amico Ryan's and the other I don't think's had an interview yet, and uh, Leslie Frazier, and they're two defensive background guys, which is a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, from from Kafka to to Johnson, uh, even to a degree to be enemy. I like Eric Vietnam He's probably gonna be good. I just it just seems like it's an underwhelming class right here to me.
5: Well, I mean, to me, it's it's there, there's the Harbaugh Peyton group, and I never thought Peyton was going to be a fit here. I yeah. thought Harbaugh potentially could be, but knowing how many different head coaching openings there were, I, I never got you know crazy infatuated with either one with, with with say Harbaugh, so to speak. Right. I guess I'm looking at it not in terms of a particular person of kind of the remaining group but looking at it more of of offensive-minded guy versus defensive-minded guy. And clearly, you know, the trend has been to go more along the offensive route than to go to defensive route. Somebody with a person I like, D'Amico Ryans, and somebody that knows this division as well as he does, I would probably be a little more excited if it's him than, say, other defensive-minded coaches just because he, having played against this franchise as long as he did, Uh, You know, he kind of knows what it's about at its peak and and being successful. I think he's young and dynamic. I I think that's a good thing for a group that needs to get younger and a bit more dynamic. But even that being said, I I think I'm much more along the lines of, listen, you have to draft a quarterback. You have to get your next quarterback. Give me a sharp offensive mind that you can pair with that player, that can grow with that player. So it's not to me about – which name or which coach in particular it's more along the trend that i want to see this group go in which is bring me somebody talent on the offensive side with with maybe an exception or two of the defensive minded coaches that are available
4: so maybe and greg gregsraw joins us on the andy moore automotive group hotline maybe it's a little bit more of me thinking if you had somebody with a, a been there done that type of resume maybe that leads to a quicker turnaround than what we're all kind of thinking you're going to get right now because granted you know, since the end of last year and through this year there have been a lot of days with this Colts team that revolve around losing so the quicker the path I think the brighter the skies and the better the feel around here and it just doesn't feel that way I guess starting anew with uh, one of these dudes that could ultimately be a flavor of the month or turn out to be a guy like uh, Kyle Shanahan for example who knows
5: well I Again, the good news for Colts fans is their last four what I would call cataclysmically bad seasons have all led to a coaching change and an el- then of the playoffs the next year with with one exception. So let's take them in chronological order. Okay, 98 or 3-13. and 13. Well, that was Jim Moore of Bill Polian's first year, and they won 13 games without a coaching change, and they were a playoff team the next year. In 2001, they're a six-win team. Coaching change, obviously Tony Dungy's available win team playoff next year um the next truly bad season this franchise had was 2011 they got a they got a, a, a head coach with no previous head coach experience they won 11 games obviously trek Pagano only coached a handful of them because bruce arians was the head coach for a good chunk of that year that team won 11 games as a playoff team in 2018 frank reich had not been a head coach before in the national football league they won 10 games in a playoff game so Yes, you know, it it's it's you always like having a guy with head coaching experience and again it's why there's the Harbaugh Peyton group and then there's the coordinator group and it seems like it's not gonna be Jeff Saturday, it's going to be the latter. But again, you you can be successful. Again, Brian Dayball, not a head coach before, did a pretty doggone good job without much in the way of changes of pieces in terms of the personnel for the New York Giants, so um, you can still win with a first-time head coach and a young guy. I still think that's a possibility here.
4: I believe everybody remaining going into the divisional round of the postseason this weekend has an offensive background other than McDermott and the Bills. Um, that should be the direction that the Colts are going? Do you think Again, that, and, that that should and, be, and that it, will uh, be?
5: It's all because that doesn't necessarily mean it mean it will be. It's the direction I would lean because of where your draft pick is and the obvious glaring need to get younger at the quarterback position. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but even if, even if you say Sam Ellinger is your guy going forward, wouldn't you want a, a bright offensive mind to help kind of lead him after a couple of years in National Football League? Again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're drafting a quarterback at four or moving up to get a quarterback. Whatever whatever the case may be, I think the Colts are taking a first-round pick at quarterback. I, I don't think that's some you know, hot take that I'm throwing out there.
4: He's a Greg Raystrom. Go ahead.
5: Don't you want to give that guy the best available chance to win by partnering him with the head coach of the future and letting those two guys kind of grow together? So, yes, I think that's the reason why you're better off going with a more offensive-minded guy, a guy with an offensive background, more so than a defensive one.
4: All right. For S's and G's right here, Harbaugh or the field? Who would you have rather seen as head coach here?
5: Um, Harbaugh would have been great, but if his heart wasn't fully into it, you have to move on. And so if, if he has decided hey, I I am going to stay at Michigan, then you're better off with somebody else. So, again, I do think there are other really good potential head coach candidates that are out there. So... It's not going to be Harbaugh. You're just going to
4: have to let that one go, John. Uh, well, and, and that's understandable, and we will, outside of discussions and comparisons, which are probably won't leave anytime soon. And here's what's going to happen, Greg. You know this, because you've been doing this just as long as I have. At some point, more um, well i should say in this case less than a handful of these candidates will turn out to be something really good and then people will get back at me and say you had no idea what you're talking about on this day in january you know what i mean in 2023 so i'll have to end up owning this anyway at some point
5: for most of these guys they are simply names and resumes we don't know much about them guys that have been here A la Leslie Frazier is a little bit different, a little more of a track record with him. And frankly, he has more of a track record being a bit older than a lot of these current coordinator to head coaching candidates. You know, everything is, is pie in the sky potential right now for these. And, and do we, do we really know what we're getting into? No, but that's the job that Jim Mercer, that job that Chris Ballard has is to figure out which one of these guys can make the best leap from being a coordinator to being a head coach because some guys are coordinators some guys are position coaches some guys are head coaches we'll see of that group who can make that transition
4: greg Raystraw joins us that was a big one for iu on saturday for a variety of reasons and it was even more so than you know getting juiced up by the home crowd which i thought was there as it normally always is and that went over wisconsin but Whatever Mike Woodson and staff did to re-energize these guys, especially to start on the defensive end, do that every time because they look drastically different than they did the two games prior being Penn State and Northwestern.
5: That's what I expected to see from Indiana this year. That's the team with experience that we all thought would showcase their skills on a regular basis. And so I am happy for them, but now to you know make a believer out of me Go do it again. And then after that, go do it again. You know, once we see that group play that way for the span of a couple of weeks or for three or four games, now you have my attention. So doing it once, better than the alternative. But now repeat this for a couple of weeks before I kind of buy into what this group is all about.
4: Does a Big Ten surprise you on? the number of teams at the top or maybe better said how wide open you're thinking it can be as you hit the middle portion of the season and then the stretch run?
5: Well, I'm lucky. I get to talk to the Delphi Bracketology guys once a week. And that day is on Tuesday when we produce their show on the ISC sports network. So I've got a good amount of facts and figures off the top of my head just from hanging around those guys about three or four hours ago. And, you know, they're talking about, You know, do we think that because of these teams playing each other that there's going to be 11 Big Ten teams to make the NCAA tournament? Probably not. But are there 11 teams that are under consideration for the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten right now? There absolutely are. So obviously there is a gap, even though Purdue has won a couple of conference games by a point or a bucket and have lost a conference game in a similar fashion to Rutgers. You know, there is a gap in the resume. If here's what Purdue has done, here's what everybody else has done to this point. So it's not a conference that we're talking about in terms of its star power atop the league. Where this conference will make it pay this year is the depth of the league, knowing there are probably eight or nine NCAA tournament teams from this group this year. And so to me, the bragging point of, of the league isn't, you know, Purdue, although it's it's, it's it's carrying the mail right now, it's the fact that Penn State is as good as they've been in a while. In Northwestern, legitimately can be an NCAA tournament team for the first time since the last time they made it, which was the first time they've ever made it, which is now four or five years ago.
4: What's more impressive to you so far regarding Purdue? And by the way, Matt Painter is going to join coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Is it the one-score wins that we have seen certainly recently and certainly within the Big Ten, or is it being able to go on the road and win the Big Ten? Are you there, Greg? I'm assuming that that question just knocked his socks off right there, Eddie Garrison. I know it was good. I knew it was loaded. That's why I left that one for last. That was that was my anchor. I kept it last. See if I can get Greg to answer that final question, and then we'll hit a break and get you to the top of the hour. And Jake Quarry coming up. Matt Painter is going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Grace Berger, the senior from IU on that sixth-ranked women's team, is going to join us coming up, I believe, at around 4.30 today or so. Greg Rakestraw rejoins us right now. Let me reset this question. Uh, Is it more impressive in the one-score wins that Purdue has so far in the Big Ten or the fact that you've seen these happen on the road? sweet uh, this is just going to be a question that will simply go stinking unanswered right here all right since greg's phone's not working i'm going to put it to you at jmv 1070 and you answer the question like you're greg rag especially if you're a boilermaker fan one more try, like Brian McKnight right here, and then I'm going to have to bail on it, Eddie, okay? <laughs> Third time is the charm with Greg on this one. And by the way, that that's his phone, isn't it? All right. We'll just be done with it. That's okay. I'm going to leave it up to the listener here. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live, you guys want to answer that? We're Sean Rogers. He had that great phone call last week. We're still reeling from that. Or at JMV 1070. You answer that question that I asked Greg twice, and unfortunately his phone was not going to let it happen with the answer. Shout out to Brandon Reef, by the way, too, listening to the show from Clearwater Beach on his honeymoon. There you go, Brandon. Appreciate that. Quick break and we'll come back. I'll get your calls. Jay Query, top of the hour. Grace Berger of IU, bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Painter is going to be here in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Now, you guys can answer that question. I'll come back and get those answers with you next.
0: The Ride with JMV.
3: And you can tell Rolling Stone Magazine that my last words were, I'm on drugs.
0: 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
4: Greg Straw, podcast at 107.5, thefan.com. Jay Query, top of the hour. Grace Berger, the IU women's team. Number six in the nation, 430 for Grace and Matt Painter, the head coach of the third-ranked Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, Another one-possession game win on the road. Yesterday afternoon in East Lansing over Michigan State, uh, everybody's guy Tom Izzo was like right in the middle of the floor the entire game. (laughs) The entire game. You're right out there. You guys watching the Pacers yesterday afternoon? Did you see uh Budenholzer? Hula Did you see Budenholzer get um got teed up for the interference on the sideline? I'm surprised that doesn't happen more. Man, without the Greek freak, without Chris Middleton, then I know the Pacers without Tyrese Halliburton, but man. And then, that's so sad when you think about it, because T.J. McConnell was having the game of his life. 25 in the first half. Unconscious. Normally, he's getting the ball to guys to score. Like, in the first half yesterday afternoon, he wanted to get the ball himself and go score. hmm yeah, Milwaukee just scores in the second half. In the fourth quarter, specifically, they just score it well. That was it. Curtis at two three nine ten seventy. 1070 Hello, Curtis. Hey, how you doing? Curtis, I'm great. Go ahead.
3: Good, man. It feels good to see Miles Turner playing the way that he is, isn't it?
4: You don't have to tell me that. I'm all over it. I'm all about it.
3: You know, I've been down to the uh, arena, and uh the crowds are back. But I just wanted to get a thought. You know, do you think that we need another big?
4: Uh as opposed to what do you mean another big?
3: Well, we're we're really playing a four guard lineup with Miles in there and we're you know, we're, we're trying to guard bigs and they're just shooting over us. And so we're not really getting anything out of Smith. You know, or any of our big men. Well, I like so. the
4: fact that he backs up, or at least I, I had until they went on this this losing streak. I like the way that that worked. I, I was looking for maybe another wing, something like that. I, I to me. The way everybody goes small more times than not in the NBA. I think that's what is necessary. But who knows? I mean, this whole Halliburton injury and this losing streak and then their schedule, Curtis, coming up. And we were talking about reevaluating after the start they got off to. I mean, maybe Kevin Pritchett and company are reevaluating right now the reevaluation of where they were because of this. This is going to be a tough stretch, especially if most of these games are going to be without Halliburton as it looks.
3: And one other quick question I want to ask you. right. Now, the Pacers signed Aiden to an offer sheet. Yes. At a max. Don't you think – I mean, if you were in Miles Turner's position, no, he's not a max player, but he should get paid, don't you think? Oh, yeah,
4: there's no doubt. Curtis, thank you for the call. There's no doubt he should get paid. I wonder – I fully expect them – to extend him if he wants to but I do not blame him if he wants to look out there and see what he might get on a more wide open market someplace else I don't think anybody would blame him a lot of you would like say great but I don't think anybody would blame him I saw his last eight games by the way 18 and 6 14 and 12 34 and 3 18 and 10 14 and 8 17 and seven 29 and nine and 30 and eight in those last eight. All right, Jake is going to join us on the other side. Grace Berger, bottom of the 4 o'clock hour. Matt Painter, head coach of the Boilermakers after 5. 93.5, 5, 107.5, The Fan.
0: The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
4: Greg, Greg Straw, earlier, Grace Berger of uh, the number 6 iu women's basketball program the senior from i think around louisville gonna join us coming up at 4 30 matt painter's gonna be here after five you and me at 239 1070 inside the lounge via youtube live where friends of the show they are lurking they are conversing and having an overall good time in fact in case you've not been a part of that you can watch you can listen and even participate on your own speed inside the lounge via YouTube Live, wherever you may be listening, whether it's the app, the stream, or HD radio, or 93.5, 107.5, the fan on FM, we truly appreciate it. I'm sure our next guest does as well in the morning, 7 until 10 a.m., Kevin and Query in the weekday mornings right here on the fan, Jake Query joins us. So Sam Hubbard going the length of the field on that sneak fumble by Baltimore the other night. Did that bring back any bad memories of Nick Harper back in the day? I think it was 05 with that Pittsburgh game. Any bad memories there?
2: Well, I No, because Sam Hubbard made it the whole distance.
4: <laughs> like, he didn't get caught by that statue Ben Roethlisberger, right? That, that's right. I mean, n- nothing
2: against Nick Harper, but, you know, the one memory that that brought back for me, and it wasn't a bad memory per se because I was rooting for Colorado, but you know, Rocket Ishmael in 1990, I think it was the Orange Bowl, but, you know, the kick return that he had for a touchdown that was called back because of a, a clip, I thought was a pretty – and it probably was a good no-call in that game in Cincinnati, but it certainly looked like there could have been a block in the back. But uh, great play, you know, and that just remarkable how much that obviously at that point in the game – was the difference because that was the scoring difference, and one would think that that would have been probably a 24 17 Baltimore game. You know, would Cincinnati have come back and scored to force overtime? I don't know. Um, but it was that certainly was probably the highlight moment of the weekend and what were, for the most part, until last night, all really good games. And then last night, the, as Kevin and I talked about this morning, uh, the adventure of the extra point was what made last night's game exciting. So, so what do you th- cool.
4: what do you think? Tom Brady closed this thing out with his old offensive coordinator in Vegas. One final year, you think is that how that's going to work?
2: You know, it, it seemed. I actually heard somebody say that they think John Peyton could go back to New Orleans and Tom Brady would go with him. Now, if if Sean Peyton, if something happened this afternoon, I haven't been around a TV this afternoon, so something might have happened, but. Um, But no, if I had to pick, if Tom Brady plays again, and that's probably the question mark, but if he does, I would say Vegas is where he goes. I I would agree with that um, for one last push. But he's going to be 46 years old, man. You know, I mean, at some point, I know the guy's remarkable. He's a phenomenal player, and he has done a remarkable job of playing a career much longer than anybody would have anticipated. But even as remarkable as he is, Father time is undefeated, and it's going to catch up to him eventually as well. right? One would think we'll see. Some people
4: in social media or just with um, publicity in general, say um, any any news, any publicity, you know anything you get via social media is good publicity. Uh, Brett Maher, is that different? Is that good social media publicity? Four missed extra points? How in the world do you trot him out there in the divisional round? How, how can you do that?
2: Jerry Jones said they're going to stand by him. I I thought personally that it looked like he I, – I was thinking to myself, he's got to be hurt. Like, there has to be an injury where he's
4: – I thought of Chuck Knobloch is what I thought of.
2: Yeah, I mean – Steve Sachs. Sachs yeah. Gary Dick had a funny – we, you know, saying hey, they're they're getting hold of Steve Sachs. Uh, those are all possible. I mean, I, you know, the, he might just simply have the yips, and I would. The, the problem is this: the problem is if you, you know, which which is which is a higher possibility—the possibility that he can exercise those demons between now and their next game—and therefore, you go back to having a guy who you know and you you you're familiar with his range and limitations and whatever else or the possibility that you can find a guy right off the street that can immediately go in cold and kick for you probably the latter i guess but it's the playoffs i mean this is not week nine right so i think if he if he's still on their roster right now he probably makes it right otherwise wouldn't have happened an hour after the game i mean peyton manning wanted him cut at halftime not literally but you know um I think you ride with it, to be honest with you. And I think you, boy, I, that's a, that's a scary proposition. I realize, but um, I think you, you take your shot. I think you take your chances that it was strictly a mental thing and that he can overcome it. Now, if he's hurt, that's a different story. And kickers do get injuries that, you know, they start missing kicks and you wonder why, then you find out they've got a, you know, a hip flexor or, a you know, uh, sometimes actually it's the planter foot. You know, they can't get the proper planting down and whatever else. So uh, we'll see. I know I, I didn't realize Kevin pointed out this morning that Matt Overton is still the guy long snapping for Dallas, I believe. So uh, at least we know the, the, the snaps are decent. So it's not that. I assume laces are going out. Then you got to figure out what's going on with the kicker.
4: You ever have the yips? any form of what you could even slightly describe you know as what? the yips doing what you do like doing tv doing radio anything like that
2: no never um knock knock on wood you know i Don't hyperventilated
4: see? once on a um i think it was a saturday morning on wthr <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if any video evidence of that still exists. That's but there a was a there was a, a hyperventilation that went down. I, two two notable things. My three years on Weekend Sunrise. Um, one was uh, I hyperventilated once, and the other was I went out there in front of the HMON, which is that huge monitor, and my pants they were unzipped the entire time. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't care about that. I didn't really care about either one, to be honest. As you get older, you go, ah, who cares? But, yeah, oh, that course. I guess that would be the form between those two things. And not so much my pants being unzipped, but I can't say the word rural. R-U-R-A-L. Even being from a rural area. So, I think those that would be my form of the yips right there.
2: I can't say asterisk. I can't say but that either. Barry, yeah, Barry Bond should have an asterisk next to his name. Um, I, I was playing, and this is, look, I'm not a professional athlete but I've played basketball my entire life and I never met a shot. I didn't like, and I love shooting from the outside. And I was playing pickup ball about six years ago. And all of a sudden, as I was shooting, my body psychologically started thinking through every motion that I was making to shoot the basketball. And there was nothing instinctive about it. And for like an entire evening of playing pickup basketball I couldn't shoot like I psychologically froze by going through the motions psychologically of what I needed to do even though I had done it in athletic competition for my entire life as long as I can remember and in my backyard for hours upon hours upon hours I have no idea what led to that but it went away as fast as it came along But it was very bizarre. I would imagine golfers have the same thing, where all of a sudden you just go through a phase where you're overthinking your swing and it affects what you're doing. And that's entirely possible that's what it was, that he was just – it got it in his head. And, man, neurology is the last frontier. I mean, that's a hard, hard, hard thing to try to figure out.
4: The yips in broadcasting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean (laughs) – the hyperventilating yips is kind of awesome. I I mean, did you I have think, like a little, well, no. a little brown paper bag or anything?
4: Well, I, it was weird because I I the day prior it was one on the other station. It was a remote where I was at the um, where was I? I think I was at the old Union Jack Pub and Speedway, and I want to say it was before the Brickyard for, and it was wild and. Things got wild a little bit, and I might have been a little bit hungover the next morning because I remember them saying, hey, um, why don't you go put on some makeup? And I said, hey, I have. (laughs) So, wait a minute. I already did. (laughs) So, well, can you go back and put on some more because you don't look right. It
2: looked like you were getting ready to do the grand prize
4: game. (laughs) I went back and did it. So, I, I may have been... Hung over more than anything.
2: But by the way, speaking of the old Union Jack and Speedway, yes. um, I don't know if this is weird or not. Probably people are gonna think it's weird. But I'm sitting here right now staring at the original host slash hostess stand from the Speedway Union Jack, which has been turned into a small book cabinet in my residence. That's awesome. Yeah.
4: That is awesome, right? There. How'd you get that?
2: When they closed, uh when they closed, I saw online there was an auction. Uh, of merch, all the stuff that was in there. And I bid on two items. I bid on a Tommy Milton signed photograph just because right. he's the first multiple winner in Indy 500 history. Uh, I was outbid on that. I mean, somebody went. It was pretty impressive how much that fetched. Uh, and then I thought it'd be cool to have the host or hostess stand. And I, I think I bid like $12 on it. And apparently nobody else thought that would be cool. So there it sits. You not know, worked
4: there in 1990. You really? Yeah, I, I actually... As the story goes, I actually dropped a, a local celebrity's pizza on the floor.
2: So you were obviously a a server, Is not right? good
4: at my job. No, I was in the bell. They weren't going to let me serve. Nah, I was back there with the dough and the pizza. Okay. So and I had to, I, celebrity- I had to put it. I had to put it back. I had to wipe it off and put it. We were, we were crushed, and I wiped it off and put it back in. I, it was clean, but yes.
2: The local celebrity was of what realm of fame?
4: Yeah, I'm not even. It's, it's still, they're still, they're still around. So, they're still around. Did
5: you know that local celebrity.
4: I didn't know where it was going. Um, it just happened but to go you, to this person, and I went, "Oh no!" <laughs> like but that.
2: You, do you do you know this person today? Do they? Are they um, do they
4: I would, them? I would know. I don't know them personally, but um, That's I will occasionally good. run into them. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know was I didn't know it was going to go to him and I went oh no that wasn't there oh man so that's
2: okay <laughs> obviously they were, not, they were not impacted so
4: everything's all good they're still with us that's so right, I'm sure I'm sure we've all had much worse experiences unbeknownst to us in the service industry in the past but I, I felt really bad about that and then there was one time this is not who it was there was one time where I I I made the pizza for Ron Stark My man, there is nothing he liked more than his reflection. (laughs) Yes. He cared about looking at himself. I don't think there was ever a time he came in and all he did was like, look at his reflection the entire time.
2: Now my, my dad in about 1965, long before I was around, my parents were at a restaurant in Chicago. My dad was craving a baked potato with his salad, ordered it another, party came in with a celebrity and sat down two tables over and then they came to my dad and said i'm sorry we're out of baked potatoes we gave the last one to that gentleman over there and my dad's like but he got here after me and they said well i know but that's rock hudson so when unfortunately when rock hudson yeah, passed right my dad flippantly said well I, I hope it was the baked potato that did it man my dad was salty about it like 15 years later he was still angry maybe 20 years later that,
4: you know what though though it is rock hudson that's a pretty big deal you know, I, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. Pretty, it is a pretty big deal. But no, I loved uh, the Union Jack Pub was awesome, awesome no, place. A, I'm really sad that it's gone. It
2: there's was great. still the one in Broderpool. It's not affiliated with the one in Speedway, but, right. um, And it moved locations. The old location was awesome. The new one is still good. They do a good job, and they've got good stuff there. Yeah, it's I, the I used location. to have to
4: roll my own dough. Like they they rolled their own dough, and I would have to pre-make all. The dough for the pizzas in the back, in
2: Did the you very feel back like room. You were bailing hay in Green County when you were rolling dough. I, that that
4: probably was the worst job in the place. So I think they considered what they were working with in me, which was not much, and they said, "All right, put him back there with the dough."
2: The worst job that I had was I needed a job when i was in bloomington when i was at iu i needed a job and i had a friend that owned a restaurant i won't say the name of the restaurant but it's still around and it's fantastic and they happen to have one in bloomington and uh he said yeah call the manager they'll give you a job and the only job they had available was washing pots and pans and i literally was the guy in the dish tank washing pots and pans (laughs) at the restaurant i had a sinus infection for an entire semester and i worked with one other guy who was a local and literally, he never said a word the entire time. He was like 40 years old until finally one day I asked him what kind of music he likes. And he informed me that he was the last living member of the Monkeys fan club in Monroe County. Ah. And needed to sing monkeys songs every hour that I worked with him for the entire semester. It was awful. Yeah.
4: No, see, I mean, I've had bad jobs, too. I mean, even worse jobs. I did the cleanup crew for a summer at uh, at Foster Harper at IU. You know those summer gigs that they have yeah. for uh, Foster Harper and Shea and all over in there for one summer. And but uh, yeah, it, um bad jobs. I think are, they're kind of a rite of passage, aren't they? For us as we grow I up,
2: I agree. Yeah. The the thing about it is, um, and look, kudos to people that that do those jobs. Still, I mean, it's important. You know, hard work is important, and it's commendable. And I think that it's important for anybody at a young age. To have those jobs, because if anything, you know, some of them, some people are made to do those things, and that's great. You know, it's all about, to me, I've always said, life is not about finding the best job. It's about being the best that you can at the job that you have. And um, to learn at a young age things that you don't want to do, yep, to give you an aspiration to make sure that you don't do those things, is also important.
4: Agreed. It's a Jay Query morning show, Kevin and Query, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on The Fan. I mentioned at the outset of the show, I'm a bit underwhelmed with those that have been brought in to be interviewed. Nothing against them, but I have been underwhelmed, and we're trying to figure out as to why. And I came up with the conclusion that, uh, to me, I was dead set on the perfect tire being Harbaugh. Thus, if that is not going to be it, I am going to be incredibly underwhelmed regarding everybody else. What do you think? It's
2: like when you watch The Price is Right and they have the Showcase Showdown, and the person always passes on the Showcase Show the Showcase that doesn't have the car. Still got a lot of nice prizes, but it doesn't feel like the big one because it doesn't have the car. It's unless you get the car, it's like eh, okay, I want a trip to Holland, great. And I think there are still really good coaches out there, but Harbaugh is. That's the grand prize. I don't personally, and I have nothing, John, to base this on, and I'm probably an idiot for saying it. That statement that was released by Harbaugh and from the president of Michigan did not, in my opinion, close and lock the door on him still coming to the NFL, quite frankly. Um, but I don't know if the, you know the Colts have not reached out to him, it would appear, and so therefore maybe he is not in the running here. I think there are guys, you know, there are a lot of coaches on the list that we just don't know enough about them. I mean, I know that they have the trend or they're young or they are coming off the season where they were a coordinator on a, a, a sexy, you know, offensive or defensive unit, but Harbaugh and Sean Payton were the two guys that I think people truly would have been excited about because they are known commodities who have coached in football's biggest game. And that is important to people. And I, I, you know, 5%. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, but I'm not ready to say that there is a 0% chance that overtures happen with Jim Harbaugh. I I just have a sneaking suspicion that could still be in play. But I agree with you. I do like Raheem Morris. I don't know why. Um, I I think the history of coaches that, that were young when they got their first head coaching opportunity and then went elsewhere is pretty fit. You know, there's precedent that guys do improve. He by all account with players and people around him is checks a lot of boxes in terms of his energy, his knowledge, his, the trust players have in him. Um, and I think he's a good coach. So, you know, that, that one to me would be, you know, okay, that's cool. But if you look at the coaches right now and that are still alive, that, where they were coaching and what side of the ball they were on before they became head coaches. By and large, at least for this year, the trend is that they're guys with offensive pedigrees, um, unless they were, of course, a head coach, and this was another head coaching opportunity for them.
4: Do you, um, or would you, I guess I should say, by... Any rumors where the reason why there may not be anything, any any interest from a Harbaugh side here, even if there is some from the Colts or there might be from the Colts' owners because Chris Ballard is here? Would you buy that as a reason?
2: No, uh, uh, yes and no. I don't think it has anything to do with Chris Ballard. I think it would just be because Harbaugh would want personnel control and that there's somebody in that position. If there's if there's blood between Ballard and Harbaugh, that that may be the case. That would be news to me. I just think Harbaugh certainly it would make sense if he was more intrigued by a job that needed a coach slash personnel person. You know, I could see that being of intrigue to him. Um, I think, frankly, the there are a lot of uncertainties about the Colts franchise that probably are also holding them back a little bit. Uh, uncertainty in terms of how involved the owner is and uncertainty as to who the quarterback's going to be. And those are two really big question marks. And I could see those being two things that also would be factors in people's decision here.
4: It's a Jake Querrey, the morning show with us. So, does this Halliburton injury and what seems to be certainly right now a losing skid that could remain on course losing wise with this road trip that they're on because the uh, Disney on Ice is is here in town right now? Does that does that change the reevaluation of the blueprint that has been reevaluated? Do you do that again if you're both in this case Pritchard and Buchanan?
2: I don't think so. I really don't. Um, it's my understanding that they felt like with Halliburton out that it gave them an opportunity to evaluate some other pieces, but more so it gave them the opportunity to let other pieces kind of take their turn um, in queue of being more focal in terms of the you know being a focal part of their offense and, and what they do, and that they still feel like it is a roster that needs uh, – minor additions placed around it as opposed to seismic changes. And certainly with, you know, it's probably no coincidence that, I mean, obviously Miles Turner was hurt, and that is a legitimate injury. I mean, it's not like they were playing games there. But, you know, Isaiah Jackson going out and and really showing his prowess as a rim protector probably was on cue because if for some reason Miles Turner is not retained, and I think they would really like to retain him, but if for some reason he's not and he decides to go elsewhere then you know Isaiah Jackson's going to get his shot to be playing that kind of a role. He does do some of the same things as Turner, obviously not offensively as gifted, but defensively pretty similar. Um, so I think that they feel like they are in position now with the evolution of, you know, the arrival of of Andrew Nembhard at times. And yes, he struggled now that Halliburton's not on the floor. But, and with Aaron Neesmith starting to play well and with Jalen Smith there, and, you know, they have young pieces that I think were ahead of schedule. And so I think that now they look at it more in a what can we do to complement this core as opposed to how can we use this core to change direction once again.
4: So you're suggesting there's still believers right now in in this season.
2: Being head of schedule, well, I think I think at this point they're believers in this season. I think they I think they have a pretty good feeling that this group is pretty darn talented and very young. So I think they look at this season. I think at the beginning of the year they looked at this season as much about let's see what we can do in terms of where we can slot draft wise. I'm not saying tank, but they didn't think that they were going to win 30 games. I think now they look at it as hey, we've got a we've got some good young players. That are mature and that are really talented. So let's just throw them in the fire. Let let's let's go as far as we can to see what we can do and get them the experience now of big games and big moments. Will they make the playoffs? You know, I don't know about that. I think if Halliburton comes back in the next couple of weeks, they're still right there in, in contention for that. And I think they'd like to see how this group responds as to that kind. Of, how this group responds to that kind of test. In the postseason, so I, I I think that they, I think this group would have had a governor on it had the season gone as they intended that it would in October, but I just think that they showed themselves to be good enough that instead of holding them back, they went ahead and said let's go ahead and skip a grade anyway and take the governor off a little bit and see what happens, and I think they're they're pleased with it.
4: Final quick thing for Jay Query. I talked to um, a well known. 80s frontman earlier today see if you can guess who it is
2: if it's axel rose i'm i'm, I'm gonna be livid um, it is
4: not bill bailey
2: david lee Roth.
4: it was not david lee Roth.
2: brett michaels
4: it was brett michaels a poison well done only took was you it three really?
2: times right there yeah brett michaels a poison Yes, noted Pittsburgh Steelers fan Brett Michaels. I, I've always thought, to be honest with you, just in the things that I've seen him on and yep. different shows, he seems like a cool dude. He just seems like a guy that that kind of doesn't take himself too seriously, but is, has a lot of pride in what he does, and is just a nice dude. We we talk. Statement.
4: We could have talked forever. I mean, yep. he, we talked a a ton today about a variety of things, and um, he was asking about you know JMV takeover stuff, and I was telling him, and he thought that that was a fantastic idea. In fact, he's going to be February the 11th at one of my favorite places in Indiana, down at French Lick, and then he's at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center coming up on July the 30th, coming off of that stadium tour with the rest of his bandmates in Poison too this past year. So a lot of a lot of good stuff from Brett Michaels. Well done.
2: Very cool. Yeah, very cool. Seems like a cool dude.
4: Yep. Well done. All right, tomorrow morning, 7 until 10 a.m., what you guys got going?
2: Uh, You know, actually, we talked to Chuck Pagano this morning about what goes into, not necessarily about his insights on who the Colts are going after, but rather um, what exactly takes place in these interviews. You know, what kind of questions do they ask you? What are they looking for? What is a coach are you trying to show? So we talked to Pagano about that, including – who he thought Jim Irsay is favoring or perhaps leaning towards. And we're going to replay that interview tomorrow because it happened at the very end of the show today. And then in addition to that, uh, you know, we'll talk plenty more about what you were just talking about, obviously. Gotcha. And the Pacers as well getting set broke city tomorrow night.
4: You got it, Jake. I appreciate you. We'll be listening. All right, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Jake Query, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Matt Painter, head coach of the Boilers, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Grace Berger of the number 6 team in the nation in women's hoops. It's IU. Grace Berger is going to join us next.
0: The Ride with JMV.
4: Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton.
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Matt Painter coming up at the top of the hour the third ranked Boilermakers one loss on the season how about the sixth ranked Hoosiers with one loss on the season the women's program playing incredibly well right now and one I cannot wait to talk to joins us now the senior Grace Burgers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline Grace thank you for the time how are you?
6: Uh, Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing great.
4: I have been wanting to get you on this show for a while because we love watching you play. Um, My daughter's on a girls team that absolutely loves up here watching you and your teammates play. How enjoyable has it been with this group, especially given the results you guys have had on the floor so far?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're winning, um, it's a lot of fun. But, um, you know, we are also have a really good time off the court. We have great chemistry. Um, on and off the court, and we um, have a lot of just really great, great people on our team, so they're they're a joy to be around um, every day.
4: Fighting, grinding, things like that uh, all come with the territory of a, a really good basketball team, and, and you individually have had to do that this season. Let's go back to November. That ballroom, that floor, that incident uh, against Auburn, I believe that it was, that kind of robbed you, took you out of some games. Were you worried at the time that maybe it was going to be the entire season or uh, was it something that you quickly got past here I know you missed a a handful of games but let's just face it I mean it could have been a lot worse
6: yeah I mean it it definitely could and I think anytime you kind of go down like that um, you know obviously I was in some pain and that's the first time I've kind of um, not been able to just bounce right back up from an injury so um, initially I, I was definitely you know scared that it would be the rest of the year, but I think uh, I pretty pretty quickly within a day or two got the news that um, it would only be about six weeks, and so um, that was definitely a relief and just uh, made me you know take nothing for granted um, and just be really happy that I get to come back this year.
4: Grace Berger of IU joins us. Were you at all apprehensive upon your return, or did it feel like normal? Because oftentimes you can have a a bit of a mental state that kind of takes over. You're a bit apprehensive when you're first out there. Did you have to battle through that, or was it just like old times when you got back out there?
6: Um, I mean, um, again, this is the first time I'm really coming back from something like this, so maybe the first couple practices... Um, it was a little, you know, bit of a mental block to kind of get over. But um, I think, you know, once I saw myself in practice being able to compete, and um, move pretty much like I was before. Uh, obviously, I, I know um, I, have, I have a knee brace that's helping protect me as well. So um, I wouldn't have gone out there if I didn't feel like I was safe, and I didn't feel like, you know, I could I could give it a hundred percent. So. Um, you know, I, pretty much from the first game back, I, I felt confident out there.
4: Grace Berger of IU joins us, the senior. Um, how tough was it to sit there and watch? Um, even on your rehab and even knowing that you were going to ultimately get back, how difficult was
2: that?
6: Uh, obviously, you know, as a competitor, it's hard. Um, especially, you know, in those close games, you want to be out there with your team. Um, as a fifth-year senior, someone, you know, be out there helping lead them to victory. But, Um, you know, you just kind of had to change your mindset. It was what it was. I couldn't be out there, so I tried to um, contribute in in other ways, whether that's using my voice whether that's talking to some of the younger people that had to step up um, in my absence. So, um, you know, as a competitor, it, you know, wasn't fun. I wanted to be out there. But, you know, you just had to flip your mindset to um, other ways that you could contribute.
4: Terry Moran, your coach, had mentioned where you were doing a little coaching up on your own in and out of huddles, too. Kind of comes natural to you, I would guess, right?
6: Um, you know, like I said, I've been here for five years. Um, I pretty much know what, what the coaching staff wants, what Coach Morin wants. So I think um, just kind of being an, an extension, of, extension of that um, and just, you know, helping out those kids that um, are really, you know, kind of being pushed out there that might not have gotten those minutes if I was back. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I want to eventually be a coach down the road. So I think it was a good good thing for me to kind of work on.
4: She's a senior at IU, six-ranked Hoosiers, and Grace Berger is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The one thing that's been really cool upon your return is having seen those Assembly Hall crowds just get bigger and bigger. I think you're recently the the largest in in, in history of the uh, women's program and the game there. How does that make you feel, the way you guys are being embraced by the IU basketball fans there?
6: Um, you know, it's really special, I think, um, especially for, for someone like me that's been here when um, our crowds might not have been as big to, to see where, we're, you know, we've kind of taken it, where Coach Moore and, and us have kind of, you know, built it um, to where people are really excited about women's basketball. And, you know, as someone that has traveled all across the country to, to play at different arenas, play at different universities, it's not like that everywhere. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing at Assembly Hall every single game for, um, for the women, is, is something that's you know really special, um, and, and we you know appreciate every single one of them for for treating us with you know as much excitement and respect as they do the men's team.
4: Hey Grace, I know that there's a there's a lot more to go. Don't get me wrong on this, but just a, a moment of reflection, if if you would indulge me, hey, how good does it feel for you to be on the grassroots of just the incredible growth over your time in Bloomington of this basketball program?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think it's something I won't truly appreciate until down the road when I'm done because, you know, I'm still focused on the things we haven't done here yet and, and what I can help, you know, this program do and Coach and do in my last year here. But, um, you know, to say it's, it's been special, you know, it always excited me going to a program um, and helping them do things that have never been done before. Uh, but, you know, to say making the first Elite Eight, making, uh, you know, the Big Ten Championship game and coming so close, you know, it, it's, it's been really special. But... Uh, You know, we still have our sights set higher. We still want to win championships, um, which is what I set out to do my freshman year. So, uh, you know, I'll reflect on it later. But right now, I still feel like I
4: have a a lot of work to do. It's uh, Grace Berger the IU basketball program on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mentioned uh, you guys are ranked sixth, and you got back-to-back-to-back games uh, coming up tomorrow night on the road. In Champaign, Illinois, twenty-first ranked. Michigan's fourteenth. Coming up on Monday, and then you know, that big one. If you're talking about crowds in the last couple at Assembly Hall, the one for Ohio State, which I believe is a week from Thursday, uh, ought to be incredible right now. But this is an important stretch of three games for you and your teammates, isn't it?
6: Um, I it, it absolutely is. I mean, I think uh, you know it, it's going to be tough every night in the Big Ten, tough. It's tough, but I think we're really excited about it Um, just to continue to prove ourselves uh, that we are one of those top teams in the country that, you know, hopefully at the end of it we are the best team in the Big Ten. So um, in order to be the best down the road, um, you have to play the best. So uh, the Big Ten is certainly going to have us battle-tested, and we're really looking forward to
4: it. Grace, who instilled that love of basketball for you at a young age?
6: Uh, My dad has always been a big basketball guy. Um, He always, out of my driveway, just teaching me, you know, Different, different skills, different things that that he had learned from when he played. So um, me and him still kind of share that today, so I definitely see my dad. All
4: right, I'm curious. Did you think when you were – like, my daughter's 12. I think she believes I yell at her too much, right? So did you, did, you, did you ever think when you were 12 that your dad yelled at you too much?
6: Um. Yes, he was my coach all, all growing up. Um, and he definitely, you know, picked on, picked on me being his daughter. I always thought he was being – you know the hardest on me but looking back on it I, I think it definitely made me better um he was just being hard on me because he wanted the best in me but uh you know 12 year old grace probably yes would tell you that he was being too hard on me
4: <laughs> well 12 year old laney definitely says i i grace honestly i can't even make facial expressions anymore like if, if there's a uh, let's say if there's a jumper put up And it doesn't draw much iron. I can't even facepalm, because if there's a facepalm scene, then then we're off the rails a little bit here. So I got to be like I'm playing poker, just completely poker-faced up. Nothing. No reaction.
6: (laughs) Well, in her her defense, I was probably the same way when I was her age, so... (laughs)
4: Oh, they're probably on their way to a game listening right now and thinking that's uh that's pretty funny though. So there's no way I admired, there's no way I could coach her up cuz she wouldn't listen to a, a thing that I said. So that's cool that you listened <laughs> to what your dad said. When did you uh, realize that, you know, playing at this level of college basketball and then ultimately maybe realizing a dream at the uh, WNBA level was in within reach for you? When did you realize that?
6: Um, I mean, you know, it's still kind of crazy to me that um, I'm even here and and, um, having the success that I've had um, individually and as a team. You know, when I was growing up, it was obviously my dream to play uh, big-time college basketball, but um, it always seems kind of distant. So to actually be living it and actually see these things as possibilities, um, it still kind of feels surreal to me and something that, um, you know, when I actually sit down and think about it, it's um, just super, super special.
4: So Grace Berger of IU again. Three ranked teams coming up, two of which coming up are on the road, and then that one a week from Thursday against second-ranked Ohio State. As of right now, that's uh, at Assembly Hall coming up a week from from Thursday too. All right, I see. I see some of your teammates are a little bit active in social media, um, especially Sydney Parrish, your teammate here from uh, <laughs> from from Hamilton Southeastern. You're not very active yourself, are you?
6: Um, yeah, i leave that to the the more outgoing people, some of my teammates, but um, I, I see it from afar on social media for sure.
4: You're not going to get into a Sydney Parish TikTok video anytime soon?
6: Uh, probably not. I'll let, I'll let her and, again, some of my more talented teammates at that stuff uh, <laughs> stick to that. I'll just be a little more behind the scenes, yeah.
4: <laughs> I like it, too. I do. Her dad, and you probably know this, her dad was a really good – college and Mm -hmm. high school player Sean Parrish Um, he's a little bit older than me but played at Ball State when they had a great run in the tournament as well but uh, nah seriously you guys are as fun as hell to watch And uh, we thoroughly enjoy it. We'll keep track to see what you're doing and get you back on on the show before you guys hit the NCAA tournament. But, again, I know that there's a lot more work to do. But, Grace, congratulations what what you and your teammates and the coaching staff have accomplished down there because there is a significant buzz, and that is really cool.
6: Well, thank you, and and thank you for your support. We all you know, really, really appreciate it and and obviously couldn't do it without it, so – um, yeah, thank you. And, and we're really excited for the rest of
4: the year. You got it. Grace, thank you very much.
6: Thank you for having me.
4: Grace Berger of IU, the senior on the Andy Moore Automotive Group line a tremendous story of being injured and being scared with the injury and coming back and then performing again, once again, at a high level. That is impressive. Number six, IU's got back to back to back games with top 25 opponents. Two on the road this week. And uh, then, of course, I mentioned next Thursday at home against Ohio State. Terry Moore has done an outstanding job with that group. Yeah, Sean Parrish, by the way, I brought up Sean Parrish. I brought him up before the former Owen Valley Patriot because I remember when he was in high school, I think I was three years, maybe two years behind him, three years behind them all, when he was in high school. He was in high school with Greg Wright, who was a fantastic high school player and went on to play. I think Murray State and here at IUPUI, a fantastic player there too. But Owen Valley back in the day when L&M with Tony Patterson, Chad Grounds, and Jeff Oliphant, when they were the talk of high school basketball in the state. Man, Owen Valley gave them everything they could take often. Owen Valley was really good. And then Sean went on to Ball State, you know, with the uh, Paris McCurdy, Curtis Kidd, and Chandler Thompson, that UNLV game is still legendary. But you look at this group of girls, you look at this group, including Grace Berger, yeah, that's going to go down in history as the construction of a fantastic basketball program in Bloomington. Grace Berger on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Matt Painter is going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. Third-ranked Boilermakers, a one-score win on the road again. Yesterday versus Michigan State, the head coach of the Boilers, top of the hour. This is 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The
0: Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Uh, Chris Berger of IU The Senior. Really good. The podcast 107. FyTheFan.com. Jake Query, Greg Rakestraw, also there from earlier. Third rank Boilermakers. Another road one-score win yesterday afternoon in East Lansing over Michigan State. We'll get the latest from the head coach, Matt Painter, coming up here at the top of the hour for all you Boilermaker fans out there. Uh, JMV. I worked at Deer Creek for six years. Brett Michaels was hands down the nicest and coolest person I met while working there. Yeah, I talked to him a little bit earlier today. There's no doubt. Now, we could have talked for an hour. We didn't, but we could have talked for an hour. Steven San Antonio writes this. Hey, JMV, any chance that Bruce Arians can be a candidate for the Colts head coaching gig? Uh, I would seriously doubt it. Looks like Dan Quinn is going to get an interview opportunity. The Cowboys defensive coordinator reportedly has received a request from the Colts. So we shall see. Damon writes this A hey, J M V the Colts head coaching search is like electing a lame duck president. Wheels will continue to just spin. Why does it matter who's hired with the owner controlling the team and the general manager's lack of proven production? It doesn't matter who it is. I still can't get that fired up. Some point Jeff Saturday is going to get that interview. I know my problem with it, and it has nothing to do with the candidates because, you know, one or two of these dudes will probably turn into something. I just said at the outset of the show, it it is a bit underwhelming so far. It sounds terrible, and I know it's there's nothing complimentary about it, but that's how I feel. Jamie, you mentioned a little bit earlier maybe a reason why there would be no No interest for Jim Harbaugh here would be Ballard. I mean, there's a rumor floating around out there. Yeah, I don't know the inner workings of it. It is just, it is interesting that you heard little to nothing, and then you got that statement from the Michigan president over the weekend that seemingly put it to bed. Yeah, I got to move on. I know. It just, it seemed way, way too perfect for a team that's been an absolute mess for certainly a year and a couple of games. But you do have to move on. Sounds like you got it right here. JMV, regarding Miles Turner, do you think he now, with his losing streak and the potential of it not ending... More apt to be traded at the trade deadline? I I mean, I I don't know if it's because of that. I would think if he gets traded because of the trade deadline that they couldn't find common ground on an extension because they would want it. I think it's up to 33 to want it. Does he? Will he? Everything you hear, they want it. And why wouldn't they with the way this team has played with him out there? with this group, with a healthy, willing, elite-level passing Tyrese Halliburton. Why wouldn't you want that? Quick break and we'll come back. Matt Painter on the other side, the third-ranked Boilermakers who went at Michigan State yesterday. We shall talk about that and the uh, final play, the game-winning score by Zach Eady. And that draw-up before the end of the game. Matt Painter with that and more coming up here at the top of the hour. Ninety-three-five-one-zero-seven-five, the fan.
0: The Ride with JMV. I want savages on the field. I want
3: to lead the league in broken ribs. I want to put people in the hospital legally. No hitting them in the head. I want them to cry and be scared to play us.
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Yeah, Greg Raystraw Jake query Had a really enjoyable time with Grace Berger, the senior down at IU. Number six IU. Uh, top 25 Illinois, top 25 Michigan, then then number two Ohio State. The next three for the IU women's team. Grace Berger was really good. That podcast 1075 thefancom Ball State, Michael Lewis, 7 o'clock tonight, in Muncie. 7 and 0, or I should say 7 and 0 at home. Ball State in Western Michigan. Man, Butler, it'd be nice to get a win. Last time out. Last time out in Omaha, Nebraska, didn't turn out very well for them. However, man, it's interesting. You watch Creighton go all the way back. Sometimes you have this. You go all the way back to November. And I think this was in the Maui Invitational. They were shooting the lights out early in the season. They looked so good. And basically, a big flopper since 10 and eight, four and three. At least they're over 500 in the Big East. 0 and four on the road. And Creighton at Hinkle Fieldhouse against Butler tonight. Butler's 11 and eight, three and five in the Big East. Again, that's a seven o'clock start. Florida State, Notre Dame, and the ACC tonight from South Bend. That is at seven o'clock. Illinois, Chicago, Valpo, Evansville, Southern Illinois. A couple of matchups coming up later on tonight in the Mo Valley. Hey, by the way, to Sycamores, got to get back on the winning track here. That disappointing one last week at the Holman Center versus Southern Illinois the Missouri State by a point Sunday on the road. Let's get things back going in the correct direction, shall we? Yeah, that was uh, largely disappointing, to say the least. Yeah, we'll see if they can coming up later on this week. Matt Painter, in just a second. Hey, JMV, I'm wondering if Coach Painter might share what it was like for he and his team with 49 seconds remaining. And the officials spent several minutes reviewing video and then another couple of minutes conferencing before awarding the Boilermakers the ball based on the possession arrow. That was forever. There no doubt that was forever. Hey, JMV, Jim Irsay has a long track record of not interfering with football operations. He did this year because it was so foobar. Aren't people just overreacting to how he'll meddle in decisions going forward? His overall track record says he would prefer to stay out of it thoughts. and, And Seberg, there is no doubt that he would prefer to, but I think he has to have that level of trust to do it. And seemingly he didn't, especially when you hire a guy from the set of ESPN as the interim head coach that you wanted to get intel on, the rest of your team that you should have been able to get well, from your organizational heads. Now, he trusted that of Jeff Saturday, and that still is going to be in major play coming up here. But he definitely trusted that. All right, again, Greg Rakeshaw, Jake Query, Grace Berger a little bit earlier. Uh, joining us now, the Andy Moore Automotive Group line number 3, Purdue, 17-1, and 6-1 in the Big Ten, 64-63 over Michigan State. Just another big afternoon in this case for the big dude, Zach Eady, 32-17. and 17, And Fletcher Lawyer, the freshman, had some big shots. It was back and forth down the stretch. He and Tyson Walker, who had 30 for the Spartans, just kind of trading haymakers down the stretch. Boilermakers get that 64-63 win. And joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline is the head coach Matt Painter. Hey Matt, thank you for the time. How's it going?
1: Doing good, doing good. Just uh, obviously happy about the win, and you know now we move on to Minnesota and. Uh, take off to go there on Wednesday
4: I want to start with the execution of that final offensive play that led to the game winner by Zach Eady it's always good when you get the results that you're looking for and obviously you did but just to to the eye of those that aren't in the know like you guys are how well executed was that just even beyond the make in the game winner there
1: Uh, obviously the pass is what made it Fletcher's pass. You know, you got to put the ball. We we just did a dribble handoff into a post feed and then we pinned down opposite. Um, if they try to hold with their low man, then, you know, you got a, you know, a wide open shot right there or, if they try to take away that post feed, then that can be a high low for him. But um, you got to put the ball in somebody's hand that can deliver it. I thought Fletcher did a really good job of just delivering the ball and, and kind of putting it where you know he could he could step and get it. Sometimes in those situations, you're not necessarily passing it to someone; you're, you're just passing the ball away from the defense. And he did a good job where they couldn't get it, and then Zach got a little momentum when he caught it and was able to kind of pump to the baseline a little bit and then just kind of roll off of it and get to the middle
4: you got a lot of different plays, especially going the length of the floor like that. I think he had something around a little over 10 seconds or so. Got a lot of different play variations for that amount of time.
1: It depends on who's playing well. Well, um, yeah, you know, for somebody like him where you knew they were going to stay one-on-one, you go in that situation and they double, you could get a quick layup off the double, a quick skip for a three, but if they bottle you up, you also can get the ball inside and then all of a sudden the clock just runs out and then people ask you what the hell you're doing so um, anytime you're late second like that, um, we've done a lot of open court ball screens with Braden because he's such a good passer in those situations uh, he got us, I think it was Nebraska he got us a really good look by Fletch in the corner in regulation that he missed but um, he's made some really good decisions in that situation so got a couple different options and obviously Zach's made some really good you know, passes. He did it in uh, Rutgers. He did it against Ohio State. Where we got some really good looks um, from three. So it just you just you got to take what the defense gives you. It's not always going to be perfect.
4: I don't know if i Matt Painter joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This is one thing I noticed that because you had uh, two guys going on either end. Walker was going for Tom Izzo's crew, and then obviously Zach was having now what we know is a, a Zach Eady type of performance yesterday. But I think in total bench points compared to the two teams are like at seven. I, I don't know in the last time I saw bench points combined with two teams as low as it was yesterday. That kind of stood out, which I guess it goes to show how well at least two individual guys were doing on the offensive end.
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard for guys, you know, when things aren't ran for you. We You know, they were going to stay one-on-one with Zach, so we ran yeah. a lot of stuff for him. Braden got in foul trouble in the first half. Fletch got into foul trouble. And then, you know, late in the game, I thought Fletch was very aggressive and made some really good decisions and some really good plays, driving the basketball and and just looking to be, you know, when they they take things away, a lot of times, you know, you're going to have open avenues to drive. And I thought Fletch did a good job of getting to the rim a couple times late.
4: What makes you more confident in your offense? When they double, Zach, or when, when they don't, or either or? Does it really matter? It
1: doesn't. Doesn't matter. Just just being ready. Um, you know, you can't have predetermined thoughts because a lot of times you can watch other teams and say, okay, this is how they're going to handle X, Y, and Z. But Zach's so different that they could do something ultimately different than they normally do. We thought they would stay one on one, but you know, he missed. You know, he missed a lot of shots. It was his most misses of the year even though, you know, he was 13 for 26 from the field, you know, he has a lot of shots in there that normally go down for him. So it was a great game, but he also had some opportunities that he normally, you know, knocks down. But yeah, we just try to, to work on both, just work on whatever, you know, we think we've seen a lot of different things through the years in terms of how to deal with big guys. So just trying to stay prepared, and then make an adjustment, you know, if they're going to come and do something different. You know, it's it's usually something that we've seen before. And uh, just make that adjustment. And just when we throw the basketball inside, uh, just kind of read what they're doing. But sometimes we cut people through. Sometimes we hold. Sometimes we screen away when the ball goes in. Sometimes we back screen when the ball goes in. And and some of the best offenses when they take it all away, and then he stays one on one when they double. Now they've put two people on the ball and he's so big and he can pass over the top. Now when you screen away from the ball in some post splits or, or some, you know, back screen into down screen action while the ball's in the post, you know, it, it really can it really confuses them and it, it gives them other things that they have to think about and just
4: not him. Next up for Matt Painter the Boilermakers, Minnesota. We'll jump into that in a second. I don't know if there's a stat for this. I know you guys keep an outlandish amount of stats uh, well beyond what we know, but it seems to me just by watching that Caleb first so many times off the ball either keeps a possession alive or gives you another opportunity uh, offensively. Mm -hmm. It may not show up in the box score, but, man, it shows up if you watch basketball on the eyeball test, to me at least.
1: Yeah, he's pretty active, and and that's what, you know, him and Mason and Trey, you know, playing off of Zach a lot. Um, It's hard because you don't get as many opportunities. It's not even close, right? When you get somebody like Zach that can establish himself, now you really got to be active on the glass. you really got to be active diving, and that's what Caleb's been able to do for us. And, you know, we really stress with him getting the ball with two hands, but, like, sometimes just keeping it alive, like you talked about, is so important, you know, as long as you're getting – You know, the ones that you absolutely can get with your two hands, you know, with two hands you have to, but then the ones you can't quite get, you got to get those tap backs and just keep it alive. And try to buy us another possession.
4: It's what's different when you played, certainly. Second shots were always big. I mean, going to the offensive glass is big. But man, in this era where somebody off the offensive glass is probably going to get more times than not a step into three point look that's basically a layup now, it it just is different to me the value of the offensive glass, you know, that extra possession when you're down on that end compared to what it used to be, even.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, just the possession more. I mean, you sit there and grab a box score at the end of the game, like, you know, who out-rebounded who and who had fewer turnovers. You get two equal teams, especially if they shoot, you know, pretty comparatively, then, you know, you're that that's going to weigh. You got, you know, five more rebounds and three less, you know, turnovers, and now you got eight more possessions um, in the game, and things are pretty even. You're normally going to win that game, you know, and so that's something the that coaches are always harping on, rebounded the basketball and taking care of the basketball because those are the two real pillars of the game.
4: Do your two guards, your freshman guys, Lawyer and Smith, do they forget things easy? And I mean in a good way. Let's just say it's a bad play. Do they move on better than what you would think most might coming in and playing those significant roles in that amount of clock as freshmen? Yeah,
1: I would. I would say so. You know, I, I would say definitely Fletch. You know, Fletch um, has had some big time second half not really he had a bad half at at Ohio State in the first half but sometimes like you get into games you get a little bit of foul trouble and you don't get as many opportunities or we just go to Zach a lot so you don't get as many opportunities he's had those kind of first halves where you know he's just hasn't been able to get involved because of how we play and some of the things we do or you know he had the foul trouble yesterday and then he always seems to you know, really play well in the second half and really get us going and then be there at the end like he was yesterday. So, you know, Braden, you know, when Braden finds something, whether it's, you know, a lob or cross court passes or getting to his pull up, you know, and just getting aggressive. We we really want him to be aggressive, shooting the basketball and just kind of probing the defense. Um, but he really gives us opportunities. Brain does a great job of just giving us opportunities and giving us open looks with his ability to pass.
4: Yeah, they just seem fearless. I mean, and I know that that's kind of the M.O. These guys play so many stinking games uh, from where they are and now where they are. But it just seems like both are incredibly fearless and both have pretty good uh, lack of memories where they just kind of kind of move on. And that seems to me a good trade as a freshman and a backcourt for a really good team like what you have.
1: Yeah, it's a good trade for anybody to have a short memory. You know, yeah. just you got to move on. Like you do something well, like let's not have a parade. You do something bad, you can't drop your head. Yep. You know, you got to be on that even keel, and both those guys have that.
4: It's up, Matt Payne, the head coach of the Boilermakers, to on to Minnesota in just a second. We talked about this earlier. It's a lot of minutes for a big dude like Zach Eadie. Have you been at all surprised that his conditioning, from what we have seen, has been an absolute non-factor? He looks as fresh and it looks as good as the end as we saw yesterday playing those large scale minutes as he normally. Emily does
1: Yeah, he's fine. It's just something that people talk about that haven't been around him. The guys that have been around him and watched him practice and watching train and work out, you know, they know he's got pretty good stamina. So, not at all. You know, he's been able to play. You know, I, I don't want him to play 37 minutes. We really struggled when he was out of the game, um, you know, yesterday. And so, like, we just went back with him and played him, you know, more
4: minutes. Yeah. He's having a monster year so far. Is this yep. what you expected from him?
1: Yeah, I thought he would have big time numbers. If you look at his per forty numbers, you know, you know, per forty minutes numbers last year, you know, they're, they're very, very similar. Um, and so, like, he just, you know, needed to play more. Just to be frank with you, and um, yeah, we thought these were he was going to be right around there. People talked about twenty and ten, but I thought if he played thirty minutes, he'd get more than, you know, he'd get more than ten rebounds. He's really done a good job. Um, in the weight room and just his mobility, but he does a good job of rebounding out of his area and just going to get the ball.
7: I tell you,
4: the other thing too is staying out of foul difficulties. That's something you and I have talked about a number of times. And I mean, you look at yesterday, no problem whatsoever. Obviously, I don't even know if he had a foul yesterday. I'd have to look at the box score, but I mean, he seems like that he's getting a, a good whistle and things are going well at least to be able to keep him in the game like that.
1: Yeah, he's done a good job at ball screen D and his post D and. You know, and and just staying away from a passing standpoint of elbowing people on the head because that that can get to be an issue when you kind of turn with the basketball and somebody is right there, especially with that double team. But no, he's done a great job of you know just playing and staying in the game and just staying big. You know, don't have those sudden movements. Just stay big. Keep your hands up. Don't go for fakes. When they commit, you commit.
4: So, Matt Payne, the head coach of the Boilermaker. So next up is Minnesota, and like any Big Ten schedule in any season, um, always tough. There's no doubt about that. What do you think about what they have there?
1: Well, obviously they went on the road and you know, got a huge win at Ohio State. And uh, we know how tough of a place that is to play. And they they're you know, they've they've pieced it together. They have some young guys that they play with some experienced guys you know the the one thing is like Jamison Battle is is such a threat Dawson Garcia is is a threat Cooper their point guard is a really good player very underrated player in our league he's got good size he can knock down threes he's a great passer he can get in the paint so when you have a guy that can pass like that then you have two weapons you know, like Garcia in battle, you know, you gotta be on alert. And then the young guys, you know, that they, they have Pharrell Payne, who's a big kid that backs up for them, is gonna be a really, really good player, but he's physical, he's good around the basket, um, can block some shots. So, you know, for us, we gotta be ready for those guys. We gotta be ready, you know, for Cooper and try to bottle him up and keep him out of the paint, but also stay with those other guys. Not let him get on the glass, not let him get those rhythm threes um and just try to be a little bit better defensively than we were the other night
4: hey matt i know you haven't uh obviously you don't get to watch every single game but is this big 10 season going to this point not just for your team but for uh, the landscape of the big 10 kind of the way you thought it was going to go at least through mid-january where we are right now
1: yeah i don't put predictions in on stuff like that it's it's always kind of a crap shoot you know it's Everybody's got good coaches, good players. Um, you can get some bad luck, you can get, you know, a tough whistle on the road, you can um have injuries, you know, and and, and so like, you know, you, you just try to gotta stay injury free and keep competing and keep learning um from some of your mistakes and just try to grow and, and get better. But the other teams like it's it's such a marathon. And, and so, like some of the people that are struggling right now, you know, you're going to see a couple of those teams take off and really do well. You're going to see some teams that are doing well right now. You know, going into everyone's going to go into a rut at some time. You know, usually, and you've you got to be able to get out of that rut and lessen that rut. You know, you can't make a three, four game losing streak. You know, you got to lose a game, you got to learn from it, you got to be able to bounce back. Um, but that's easier said than done.
4: You're at 401 right now. Um, How does it feel to be over that 400 mark? Uh,
1: it's You just move to the next game. It's really not that big a deal. Um, obviously, we've had some really good players at Purdue and some really good coaches, and I've been very fortunate to uh, uh, be able to stick it out and, and stay with it. But the thing that I, that I like is I think we're, we're continuing to get better. Our program's getting better. Our product's getting better. We're, we're doing a better job of evaluating and bringing guys in here that fit. And uh, it makes it enjoyable. It makes it fun. This is a fun group to coach.
4: Yeah, and I was going to ask you that, too, because it looks like it is a fun group. Because you've got all these all these different personalities, all all these different pieces that may may work better here, may work better there, but it seems like that they all all kind of get it. And in this era of college basketball, or I mean, hell, any basketball for that matter, it seems like that's a difficult proposition for a head coach. It does.
1: Yeah, you know, getting it to work, and you know, that's the, you know, getting guys to be, you know, selfless and, and give themselves to the team. We've had, you know, we got guys coming off the bench. that would start a lot of places. I mean, a lot of places. And, uh, and they've started here before. And, um, you know, just you, you've got to be able to, when you have more than five starters, you know, it, it really challenges everybody because you're going to have a guy or two every game that's going to, you know, be upset. But you can't walk into that locker room and you've won, especially a game like that, and then somebody's upset. You know, when you're upset after a win, that's on you. Um, And and so you just got to stay ready. And, you know, when you get that opportunity, you got to be ready to go. And you got to be ready to follow a scouting report and understand what we're doing offensively and execute what we're trying to, you know, get done in that particular set or play or whatever the scenario might be. So um, our guys have been really good with that. But it's hard. It, it is hard, especially guys that have started before, played more minutes before. Now, you know, you got to be able to make that adjustment. And maybe that's the game where you, you do play more. But, you know, learn to be productive, learn to have a good attitude, and, and help out your teammates.
4: 400 plus 401 right now congratulations congratulations on that that's um, I think that's a huge deal and I think it's awesome also awesome coming from uh, a dude like you that uh, is good as they come Matt I appreciate you jumping on here today I know you have a lot to do the best of luck coming up against Minnesota and we'll we'll stay in touch but the basketball is fun as hell to watch and you guys keep doing what you're doing right now. All right man thanks for having me on. Matt Painter on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Awesome interview, always right there. Coming off that win yesterday over Michigan State. Minnesota is up next. And just a lot of things in college basketball which can go by as a blur. For him, he breaks it down on this show with us really better than anybody does. Always awesome to talk to Matt Painter. All right, 239-1070. Back to the phones and a lot more for you on a Tuesday afternoon. It is The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107. Five, The Fan. Back with you next. The Ride with JMV.
2: Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right,
1: it sucks.
0: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Always really good on this show. Matt Painter, head coach of the Boilermakers. Third-ranked Purdue. Minnesota next up. Boilermakers, a big road win. Another one of those late wins. Single possession type of deal. Awesome yesterday for Purdue. And Matt is always really good. Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Are you behind the new app? Should I send you some pictures that I can take on it? it's from C. Fitch. We have a new app? that's the first stuff that I'm hearing look it up and see (laughs) JMV I occasionally hear you in the mornings with Tony Katz at WIBC and Tony Katz is making a lot about being a first timer at Red Lobster when was the last time you were at Red Lobster Uh, it's been a long time but Truth be told, the one in Bloomington back in the day was pretty popular out by the mall. So we would go to that Red Lobster and let me tell you, still to this day, one of the best, I'm assuming it's the same today as it always was, one of the better food creations out there would be the Red Lobster Cheddar Bay Biscuits, one of the best. But it has been a long time. Thank you very much, Jim, for asking. A long time. Hey, Janvie, say what you want about Dan Quinn, but the man has been to a Super Bowl. Not easy to do, no matter how good the roster is. I will say this, and they just asked to interview him, they being the Colts reportedly. Like, Dan Quinn would probably excite me more than anybody else on this list right now, and he's like a defensive guy. I'm not getting out of my shoes excited, but that would probably excite me more than than a lot of what I've seen so far. And it's on me completely. I'm underwhelmed because it's my fault. Dean is at 239-1070. Dean, welcome to the show. Dean, are uh, you there? Go ahead.
3: I'm here. Go ahead. You hear me? I got gotcha. you. All right. So the first question I have is, when you look at these high-flying offenses, they all have a big-time tight end. Is Mo'Ali Cox going to be our tight end, or—and I'm biased here—but do you think we should draft May or out of Notre Dame? Because he certainly can catch, and he's no slouch.
4: No, nah, I mean, no, and and uh, and Dean, thank you for the call. No, Mo'Ali Cox, and I'm going to bring up. You brought up Mo'Ali Cox, so I'll bring up Mo'Ali Cox as well. You always hope for more, and you don't get it. And there's just there's not a lot, just not a lot there expectations-wise that at all you can lean on. That makes sense to you. So you're bringing up Mo' Alley Cox that he is not going to be the guy, but I can tell you who is going to be the guy. It'd be great if it's next year. But Jelani Woods, if there is one guy in this mess of a season that showed you exactly in flashes what you think you can't expect is the rookie out of Virginia. Give me a great example. Colin Granson, who was injured at the end of the season. There's no doubt. I mean, he's more like a hybrid guy. But a total package type of tight end is what I believe Jelani Woods can be. And that is going to be your tight end of the future. Again, Kylan Granson is going to be out there running around because he is definitely fast. But Jelani Woods is that guy. Yes. You can't forget about Drew Ogletree either. And that's that's somebody else. But, again, Jelani Woods, to me, is – Oh, I totally agree. He looks like he can be the total package. But Ogletree is the guy that got injured, if you remember, in camp who is going to be back next year as well. Zach Wilson writes this, "AJMv, how are you not excited about D'Amico Ryans? He's all right. And that's not a backhand, a compliment. I like him. I mentioned D'Amico Ryans a little bit earlier. I also mentioned that the guys that I'm more excited about are of the defensive side of the football D'Amico Ryans, I mentioned, you know, Dan Quinn, who's kind of been there and done that. I like that aspect of it. I don't think that he has been approached by the Colts yet to get an interview, but I've always liked Leslie Frazier a great deal. I think he and Ballard have crossed paths before, too. Uh, Leslie Frazier's been here and... If you go back to Leslie Frazier, he was huge before he got injured. Huge as a part of the 1985 Bears and that one lost season. They had to win Super Bowl 20. Yeah, he was in that secondary, and he was huge. He and Mike Richardson back in the day. But I don't think that they've reached out, at least not from what I have heard, reached out to him just yet. But seriously, the guys so far kind of... I would guess, are the defensive guys, which the trend now, if you look at who is left in the divisional round, that trend would suggest that it is an offensive philosophy in the direction in which you're going to go. I think McDermott with the Bills is the only guy left of the defensive side of the football with that history of that past. But yeah, Dan Quinn, D'Amico Ryans. The the thing about D'Amico Ryans is this. I absolutely love watching the 49ers play. Their defense is very enjoyable to watch, and he has been huge in that. But defensively is probably where I would start with it right now. At least my level of interest. And again, that's nothing against anybody else at all. Uh, JMV, if Northwest Indiana is considered the armpit which it is, is Evansville considered the toe? Uh, Evansville's not exactly in the toe. I think that'd be more like um, Mountain Vernon High School's down there. Posey County's the toe. But I get you where you're coming from. I think um, Evansville's the pocket city. Vandenberg County, uh, Posey County, like North Posey and Mount Vernon, not the Mount Vernon, obviously up here, but the Mount Vernon in Southern Indiana and Posey County, the two Posey County high schools, I believe. But I would consider that more the toe than anything else. JMV, did you see what happened with the Chargers? The head coach is still there, but they had to go ahead and get rid of somebody. Yeah, they got rid of their OC, Joe Lombardi, and their passing game coordinator and quarterbacks, Coach Shane Day. Uh, evidently, that is that is the example they are making after what was a complete debacle. Enjoyable debacle, but a complete debacle nonetheless. Hey, JMV, if you were a top-ranked quarterback of the NFL after a playoff win, your first and your franchise's first since 2017, would you roll up into a Waffle House to celebrate? Yes, I would roll up into a Waffle House to celebrate. There's zero wrong with Waffle House. None. You've got a lot, too, a lot of competition now. You've got the Lincoln Square. you got the Flapjacks, the old national standbys. Bob Evans, Denny's. But to me, Waffle House started it all. And that's where 10 Cup would go to celebrate. So yeah, I think we all would go to Waffle House to celebrate, right? That's where uh, Donnie Wahlberg went. Did he go to Waffle House here too? I think he went to Waffle House and gave some people some money, right? After the new kids on the block show. And Post Malone didn't go to Waffle House. Post Malone went East Washington Street to the Olive Garden, I believe. But yes, celebrations after your first playoff win at the quarterback position. If you're Trevor Lawrence, celebrations can be had, found at Waffle House. Jimmy's at 239-1070. Hello, Jimmy.
7: Hey, what's up, John? How are you, my friend? Are you at Hinkle tonight? I'm on my way to Hinkle right now. My dad is driving. I'm riding shotgun. So nice. He says, he says
4: hello. Hi um, to your dad. Did you have a great birthday, Jimmy?
7: I did. Thank you so much for giving me the shout-out and all the love. I, I saw Jay Law at the IU game, and... He gave me a big hug and wished me happy <laughs> birthday. So I appreciate everybody's support. Thank you guys. Well, give
4: uh, give Butler a bit of support tonight because this is one that they need at eleven and eight and three and five in the Big East at home against Creighton.
7: I did not agree more, John. I think uh, I, I, obviously you follow college basketball just as much as I do, and um, I think they're big guy for Creighton. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name, like Kelse Brenner or something. Yeah. Um, but he, he's a load inside. So I'm hoping Manny Bates could handle him tonight and um, hopefully the Bulldogs can pull through. Remember uh, when I was on remote with you a few months ago, I said Butler made the tournament. And uh, I got one of my two predictions right about the you making the ten championship games. So <laughs> well, yeah, you got you, you, me. Th-
4: this Butler pick's got a lot of work to do here, <laughs> Jimmy, to say the
7: least. Well, I, John, I just want to say thank you again for your friendship. And you and Chris, you know, the best. And uh, have a great night, You got
4: friend. it, buddy. Thank you, Jimmy. If you see Jimmy at the Butler game tonight at Hinkle House, say hello. You know, I mentioned to Creighton got off to a good start. Number 21, Texas Tech. I think going back up, was that Maui? Arkansas was top 10 at the time they beat them and that was an absolute shootout three-point shootout if you remember and then still with with losses to Arizona and Texas but man after that Arkansas win they went on a one two three four five six game skid and Eddie, do you remember which team stopped that six game losing skid for Creighton earlier this season? Butler. The Butler Bulldogs did in Omaha. 78 to 56. Not too close. A little payback later on tonight. Should be in order for the Dogs. Uh, The Dogs and the Creighton Blue Jays this evening. Yeah, there it is. Thank you, PT Indy. It was Bruno Mars that went to Waffle House after a concert in Indy. Bruno Mars. I'm most certain that Donnie Wahlberg did too after a New Kids on the Block show. JMV, I'm going to the Waffle House instead of Disney World. That's awesome. I see it as a t shirt, indeed. Sean checks in with this. In my opinion, getting rid of the OC, the quarterback coach, is a mistake after how much Justin Herbert has developed. It sounds like to me that somebody had to fall on that proverbial sword, or if you're from Southern Indiana, sward. And it sounds like it was the quarterback coach and the OC and not the head coach. That's the way that it sounds. Oftentimes, that is the case. Quick when we'll come back. We'll finish with your calls. Good day to Greg Rakestraw, Jake Query, Grace Berger of the IU Women's Program, six-ranked Hoosiers. And Matt Painter of the third-ranked Boilermakers a little bit earlier. Podcasts with each 107.5, thefan.com. We're coming back for a final time next. 93.5, thefan the fan. The
0: Ride with JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5, the fan.
4: And a guest has done a fantastic job in here today. Thank you guys for joining us, too. Great to have you back. Great to be back with you on this Tuesday. JMV, are you going to be anywhere on location later on this week? You know, in fact, James, we are not. It's weird, too. It's going to be a weird feeling because I looked this up earlier. This is going to be the first week without being on a live broadcast since July. So the better part of six months, at least one time weekly, and certainly during the fall and the early winter, it's about every day of the week. So this week, no, I will tell you, a week from Friday, and this is going to be legendary. Remember how legendary a year ago was when we ended up that first January Tavern Tour stop? Was it Workingman's Friend? Well, this is going to be at yet another local indie area classic at the Alley Cat. The Alley Cat in Broad Ripple coming up a week from Friday. This is my first time, not my first time in the Alley Cat. This is nobody's first time in the Alley Cat, at least nobody from around here. You know, I mentioned a rite of passage with Jake Quarry a little bit earlier. That is a rite of passage. If you're going out in Broad Ripple, at some point you're going to end up at the Alley Cat. But our first ever remote at the Alley Cat, that is a tavern tour stop with betting analyst Brent Holverson and our Larsen E. Bourbon, Luna Azul, Tequila, everything underneath the Heaven Hill Distillery umbrella. Right there for you. And that is going to be fun. At the Alley Cat, that is a week. From Friday, so yeah, it's been a while. Been a while since I've spent the entire week in studio. Dave from Brownsburg writes this: AJMV hey, don't rule out Harbaugh, Michigan under NCAA investigation. Yeah, I don't. I'm not too much worried about that. I, I think I would be. I would be more. How should I put this? In terms of Jim Harbaugh. Staying put or bouncing, that would be more in tune with suggesting with him never say never. Or if he is there by mid-February, he's there. Just never say never. Because he plays this at an elite level. He plays that game. So, yeah, I wouldn't be so much worried about that. I think it was Jake that mentioned a little bit earlier that, hey, kind of like me, you just never say never. There aren't many exact words, if any at all, coming from Jim Harbaugh, so you never say never. But it does sound logical. C. Fitz says, pair Ben Johnson with C.J. Stroud and go win the damn division. Can you imagine if CJ Stroud would have decided, as it was rumored, to go back to Ohio State? Imagine the chaos that would have started, Eddie Garrison. And the amount of money it would have taken because he's going to get like $20 million being a top five pick. Just want to know how much money those Ohio State collective groups and alumni are able to, you know, circle up to get Stroud to even think about it. Uh, Until the deadline that close like he did. That would have foobarred the top of the draft or the quarterbacks available in the top of the draft. First round of the draft like crazy. I think a lot of people were thinking, I mean, really, when you think about it, too, if you want, and again, things may change. Maybe we find out that Will Levis has a strong arm and he's a can miss. Or Richardson is this incredibly high-ceiling guy that nobody's talking about. You know, stuff like that. Maybe we find out that. But as it stands right now, it is young. It is a Stroud at the top of that list. And if you want one of these guys, you've got to go up and get number one. Because one of these guys will be gone with number two. And if you don't go up and get number one there's going to be another team out there that is in love with a quarterback or wants to go long-term future with a new quarterback that's going to do that for you. Not only for you, but against you in this case. So we'll see what the Colts end up doing. I don't know if they're pro-Stroud. You hear some things about how they like Bryce Young a great deal. But again, that's going to take some doing to get up there. And this is just where we sit right now. If if you like Levis, maybe you end up easily getting Levis at number four. But if you like one of those two as it stands right now, you are going to have to do some work to get yourself up there to make sure you secure that pick. Make no mistake about that. And we shall see where that goes. Highly, highly entertaining it will be. Uh, Pacers not in action tonight. Pacers coming up tomorrow night. I know not a lot as well known about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Two games under five hundred out west but they are a scoring machine. And coming off a week where they, they rolled up Joel Embiid in Philly less than a week ago in Philadelphia. Rolled them up. So this is going to be a tough task as basically everything is going to be a tough task until the return of Tyrese Halliburton. And granted, you look at it this way, this team is simply not good enough to absorb on a nightly basis the loss of somebody on the team of that caliber. Are they still good? Do you still like them? Absolutely. But that is just tougher than hell to try to absorb. And you're just not going to be able to do it. So that's coming up tomorrow night. We'll talk about the Pacers, OKC, coming up on tomorrow's show as well. A busy one here today. Greg Rakestraw, a little bit earlier. Jake Query also on the show. 7 until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Kevin Inquiry. Uh, Grace Berger, outstanding. Give it a look sometime. The IU women's program under Terry Morin, sixth ranked. They got back-to-back-to-back, three in a row, two on the road, one at home, versus top 25 teams a week from Thursday, second-ranked Ohio State's in Bloomington. Grace Berger and the head coach of Purdue, Matt Painter, always great on this show, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Ladies and gentlemen – it is Eddie Garrison over there. Well done, Eddie Garrison. Thank you very much. He's back with me coming up tomorrow. Hopefully you will be as well. Thank you for joining us and being a part tomorrow at 3. We're right back at you here. 93.5 and 107. 5, the fan. Have a great night.